You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove After Show. Yeah. Thing is for doing. <laughs> and here we are doing another amazing After Buzz TV after show for our favorite show and your favorite show. It's Hemlock Grove. We, we're on season one, episode seven, Measure of Disorder. I am your host, Shano, and I'm joined here by my three lovely co-hosts. Hello, everyone. I'm Marissa Serafini. Hey guys, I'm Tiana Hobson. And hi, I'm JJ Jurgens. For the episode title, I want to say Measure of Displeasure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more pretty, fitting. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit more fitting. It would be a little bit. So we have a great show in store for you guys at home tonight. And uh, we, ha- we got the following topics lined up. We're actually supposed to be joined by two awesome guests who are supposed yes. to be calling in tonight. But since we're waiting for them, let's go ahead and talk about our topics. We're going to talk about Olivia being subdued by her son. Put in place, right? Boom. He cracked that whip. He sure did. He did. Seriously. (laughs) Chasser gains some intel. Roman violates Ashley. And I know that I wanted to put a neutral word in there (laughs) because we're just talking about the topics right now. (laughs) And finally, Francis dies. Big Uh deal. But yeah. that's the first person we've had die in a, quite a few episodes, right? Yeah. So anyway, let's go ahead and start talking about um, Olivia being subdued. So, you know, as a little bit later into the episode, well, let's talk about how it opens up first. Yeah. So how the episode opens up is we have uh, Olivia, she picks up Roman, right? And they're, uh, she, she starts having a little bit of a seizure. At first, he's antagonistic towards her. But he ends up, like, comforting her and saying, Mom, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, that happens to me, too. You know, he says, I hear them, too. Mm-hmm. What the heck is he talking about? I thought it was the voices, the, the kind of rumblings that she hears, but I, I don't know for sure. I thought so, too, because we saw in earlier episodes that Roman's saying, I'm seeing things, I'm hearing mm-hmm. things, so, but we don't know exactly what he's talking about. But it makes me wonder, because you see... Uh, Olivia, like, kind of pass out a little bit, or mm-hmm. she starts tweaking when the street lamp goes mm-hmm. in and out. It kind of makes me think she's a little epileptic. That's what I originally thought, too. And then when um, Roman says, you know, I hear them, too, it made me kind of think of paranormal activity because, you know, they always say the lights mm-hmm. and ghosts are connected to that, and maybe the whispers or, you know, people mm-hmm. from the other side trying to communicate or something. And she keeps happening at things like that, like it was when she saw the other boy's shoes and it was lighting up that she did it yeah. before, too, in the library. Yeah, it's pretty creepy stuff. Like, we don't know if it's just a physical ailment that she has or if it's paranormal or even if it's connected. Maybe they're both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a crossover thing and she's like the nexus between the two the two planes of existence. 
who knows, right? So we can only guess as uh, as of right now. But uh, um, we move a little bit later on, and they're at dinner, and they're ha- <laughs> she makes an attempt to have table conversation, right? <laughs> She's like, oh, let's go through the motions. <laughs> have a school. And I, I just, try to be normal. Yeah, try to be normal. And I just loved how right away, because she's feigning interest. Yeah. Then we have Roman who feigns exuberance <laughs> oh, and he, he says every breath a gift. Yeah. <laughs> so condescending. Yeah. Oh, he's so, so good at being a little smart ass like that. Yeah. I like it. Such a teenage yeah. boy. Yeah. You know? Seriously. I really, like during that scene, I actually I was re-watching it again today and I Me laughed too. out loud in my <laughs> in my apartment all by myself. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was, it was such a great scene. Um, and she just finds another reason to get mad at Shelly, uh-huh. right? It's just it's just so awful. She says, like, I took the bus, or whatever she was saying, mm-hmm. right? Or I went mm-hmm. I went yeah. into town. And that's, that's of course, you know, us as the audience, you know, we feel like, we feel really happy for her. Like, she went out and she did something. She was being independent. Why, why do you guys think that she always, Olivia at least, always wants Shelly to be escorted into town? And why do you think, like, she always wants Roman or even Olivia to be with her? I think that's her control mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. And because when she found out that Shelly took the bus, she was like, without my permission, mission that was something that she couldn't control Shelly did it without like anyone's knowledge and that's just that peeves her because she Mm -hmm. didn't have control it seems like she also wants to keep her kind of being this you know as people think unattractive creature you know instead of not like approving of her wearing earrings you know kind of being she's always trying to keep her down oh we have a caller on the line yay Yay, let's see who it is caller on the line with after buzz tv's hemlock grove Oh, and Hello? they hung up. Oh, oh. oh that's a shame. Callback. <laughs> Hope it wasn't our special guest. Callback. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so quickly, uh, at, we see that uh, Olivia, she just keeps antagonizing and getting mad at Shelly. Shelly's whimpering. She, she takes off her earrings. And Roman, like, he stands up for her, like, really strongly. And he ends up saying, like, you know what? You're not going to cut me off. I just want you to treat Shelly right. And pretty much, I, I remember that everything's mine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was such a great conversation. Not even a conversation. He was just, like, <laughs> directing at her. He was just like, you know what? This is how it is. Everything's mine in the will. And that's that's a really big piece of info. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I thought that was a huge turning point. Because, I mean, when we saw him in the car earlier, she was, you know, basically saying it was all her money and that, you know, she was, had the power over him. Mm-hmm. So to see that switch, I thought was great because it completely just... It changes it, the dynamic yeah, of yeah. The, who has the power in the family now. Because for so long, she was able to use that over him to keep him in check. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, well, I'll just cut you off. You think I won't? And then exactly. now, all of a sudden, he can switch it back on her and be like, no, actually, you can't. I have all the power, so you have to do what I say now. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Marissa. I I think it's interesting how Olivia mentioned, like, she was very, uh, the things that she was saying was very Mm imagery-wise. She said, uh, mockery of yourself, connive and demean yourself, and you don't need to look like that. Uh, Most intolerable and irrepellent of them all is stupidity. So she has a thing for um, superficial, which is actually kind of ironic because yeah. she's so dressed up and mm-hmm. um, you know very luxurious kind of person all the time mm-hmm. and then she doesn't even let Shelly dress up with a simple pair of earrings mm-hmm. do you think that if Shelly looked differently like if she wasn't this thing that we view as a monster do you think that she would have 
the same like do you think she would be able to dress up better or or do you think olivia would care a little bit more about that with her well, I, I think it's interesting because everyone else always thinks Shelly is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then once Shelly adds a little bit to her, then Olivia's saying, you're not beautiful anymore. You're fine just the way you are. Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Um, intriguing. I thought another um, interesting dynamic, too, was then, um, speaking of the Olivia Roman situation, is then later on she goes and crawls into his bed, which I thought yeah. was kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. again, creepy, but also like more like a little kid kind of going into their parents' bed, like the way, I don't know, she kind of crawled in and then she still's kind of still almost lustful for him and says, like, you're stronger than I had ever hoped. And it was another. Which is interesting because in the book, it was actually a bit different. Olivia does go to the room, but she doesn't say you're stronger than I, I had ever hoped. She says, we'll need to bleach you soon. Your roots are showing. Ooh! Mm. Wow, I didn't know he. Mm. Well, obviously yeah. the sh- oh. the show is an adaptation; it's different than the book. But yeah. I didn't know his hair was supposed to be bleached. That's right. so weird. Yeah. Or maybe it's um, another way of Olivia trying to control her son's appearance as well, mm-hmm. because we know uh, Roman's you know, bleach blonde. Maybe he, he's not blonde. That's so interesting. That's such a different dynamic in the book that you bring up, Marissa, as compared to like what we see in the show. Because you know, in that scene in the show where she's in bed with him, it's like it's like she's really submissive. I don't feel yeah. like she's trying mm-hmm. to... Maybe the hand gesture, she's trying to be controlling over him still because she puts her hand around his neck. But it's very gentle, and, and maybe it is like her testing her boundaries again. Like, okay, I'm going to try to see mm. what he'll do. But when I see her going into his room in a nightgown, I'm, I'm like... I'm thinking, what's going to happen? Dude, I'm like, red flag, red flag, inappropriate, multiple exclamation marks. Right. And uh, she just you know lies in there with him, and I wonder what they did afterwards. Right, because we leave that scene. That's mm-hmm. just so creepy. Like, wh- where does a mother go from there? Yeah. Right, and that's all that yeah. happens in the book too. That's, we got that's callers it. coming in now. Excellent. All right, caller, you're on the air with AfterBuzz TV. Hi, Famka, you're online on AfterBuzz TV. Hi, how are you tonight? Hi, Hello. Famka. Hi. Uh, I'm Sean O. <laughs> and uh, we we have uh, we have awesome co-hosts here. We're we're so glad that you're able to join us on online, and uh, we have so many questions for you. And we really appreciate you taking the time out. Oh no, my pleasure. Um, I hope I can answer them. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa, how about you start? Uh, hello, Famka. Huge fan. Um, Thank so, you. I love your character of Olivia. Um, about the Olivia Roman relationship, it's there's a lot of tension with all your scenes. Uh, but what is the atmosphere like with you and um, Bill on Bill? set? Yes. You mean generally on set or uh, in the scenes that we're playing together as characters? Uh, on set, you know, because your characters have a lot of tension on film. But on set, what was that atmosphere like between you two? Ooh, uh, we're we're not that um, deeply character type of actors where we really take that stuff very seriously. So we joked around um, in the way that Dupre and I did a lot too. And uh, you you know, especially I think when scenes get more tense, you you, you try to find a way to just keep it light in between. Um, 
I'm, unless it's really demanding and then I don't talk to anybody and I just try to stay in character and, and uh, you know, stay in, in a teary state or whatever I need to be. But no, Bill and I got along really well and as did most of the other cast. It was, it was quite a nice atmosphere on set. We're, we're talking about episode seven right now, and I wanted to know, Famka, uh, when, when you, as Olivia, end up scarfing down those raw balls of meat with, <laughs> with Linda. Oh, don't even talk about it. I'm a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so what were yeah, those? No, there was, they had to come up with all sorts of things, but then it's not just purely that I'm vegan. I'm also a germaphobe, so I thought... I don't want to touch anything that people have been needing with their hands all day. So it was really, they finally had somebody at double just do a close-up of their mouth actually eating it, and I did it over the shoulder and all of that kind of stuff. It was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, a, this is JJ, by the way. Hi, thank you for calling us. <laughs> Hi. Um, so you obviously have an amazing film career. How has this experience been different for you than other projects that you've worked on? Well, it's very intensive because she shoot uh, 13 episodes over six months. And so we shot about eight days per episode or something. So that's, you know, an hour for, in eight days. And, you know, some of the movies I've been on take for an hour and a half of screen time, take about, you know, six months, three months, four months, whatever. Um, so, of course, this is extremely quick in comparison. Even the movie, I, I directed a movie called Bring My Body, which was shot in 20 days, but still 20 days versus an eight-day, you know, 20 days for an hour and a half, um, and this is eight days for an hour. So it's just, it's, it's, it goes very quickly when you're, you're filming it. You have to be, you know, and then by the time you are finished, right before you're finished with one episode, you get the new uh, scenes in or the new script for the following episode so it's just the pacing is very different from filmmaking interesting hi this is tiana um i just wanted to ask hi, um, <laughs> because i know you just mentioned that you've started directing and i know you're doing some writing as well um do you see yourself being um more focused on your directing now or has tele has doing this series sort of sparked a new television interest for you you know, I feel really blessed that I've been able to do both, and I think there are a lot of actors, obviously, you know, there's some, some extremely well-known ones, like Clint Eastwood, people who have been able to continue to do both, um, and um, I think as a woman, it's always a little bit trickier because you don't want to, uh, you know, I, was, I felt that as a model, too, as a model before I was an actress, that, you know, I didn't want to be in the refrigerator past my expiration date kind of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel a little bit the same way in acting that I don't want to be the rotten milk in the fridge. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would like to opt out a little bit before that happens, preferably. Um, but, I, you know, I, I really enjoy writing and directing, and I have a lot to learn still in that, so I hope to do it more. It's only the, the only way to learn is by doing it. Um, but at the same time, I still very much enjoy doing these types of things, you know, acting. And, 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 and I just finished an independent film in, in Canada uh, called The Fighting Man um, with Lucas Jr. and James Kahn and Dominic Purcell. And so it was a really great experience and um, different kind of character. So, you know, as long as I get challenged, it doesn't really matter what it is that I do, as long as it's challenging. Yep. All right. This is Marissa again. Um, 
from Nip Tuck to Turn the River to the treatment, even your own movie, Bringing Up Bobby, I noticed that you like a lot of mothers who are emotionally complex and layered and have the, the strong love and connection for their children. What is it about the mother-to-child relationship that you find so appealing in all these roles? Um, I think that at a certain age, you just get asked to play mothers. I mean, that's, you know, because at that point, most people, and actually I'm the exception, I don't have children of my own, but um, most women my age do. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think the more interesting thing to me is, so it's not necessarily the, the mother-child relationship, although that's a very interesting one, and I explored it in, in the film that I wrote and directed, Bring Up Bobby, but I think for me as an actress, I tend to look more at how can I make a character more complex? How can I add some depth to what is written here? And so that is, you know... Um, whatever I try to do and, and of course like I said the kid thing comes with it and it's great and there's so many layers to explore in that so that's it is really amazing to uh, to, to think through and, and see what you can add to that Fomka, it's Sean again so um, I have yeah. a couple of questions for you um, why why does Olivia wear white in like Nearly everywhere she goes, and uh, everywhere, yeah, <laughs> pretty much everywhere. And and how, why is she such like a controlling individual? Well, um, we might have to get a psychiatrist involved to <laughs> answer the latter part of your question, but um, and probably even the former one too. But no, the, the the fact that she's dressed in white was actually in the novel, and it was something that really appealed to me and and our costume designer. Um, Donna Berwick was amazing, and so we talked a lot through the wardrobe and and how to you know what to do with white and how to add maybe a little bit of black or a little bit of red by a belt or doing something like that with the character. Um, but it's really, I mean, her the wardrobe for Olivia was beginning to end white, predominantly white, and there were only like little bits and pieces of other colors mixed in. Um, so that was, I've never done that before, but why? I mean, Brian wrote it in the novel originally, and I thought it was a great thing to keep, and so I really fought for it to stay in there because it really makes her pop, too. I mean, she's she's an actress. That's what, who, who Olivia really is. So everything is kind of fabricated about her, the way she speaks. Her dialect is not English. It's just made up. Um, you know, it's it's her idea of how actresses and, and sophisticated people would speak or something like that. And so so is the dress probably, you know, the, the wearing of white makes her angelic in some way or, you know, pure or whatever. And the controlling aspect, I don't know, um, you know, is probably deep-rooted psychological problems. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we actually have some fan questions that I wanted to throw at you as well. Uh, Emma uh, Emma W. from the UK um, on Twitter, she's at mbird83. She says, um, do you think that a second season would be uh, in, is in the works, and um, would you want to be a part of it and return to your character? The uh, second season is being discussed. It's not in the works, but it's being discussed. Um, and we will all find out soon 
whether that is going to actually be happening um, as soon as in the next couple of weeks, in you know by June or something. I think they need to make their make up their mind. Um, and uh, contractually, I'm I'm part of this show, so if it goes again, I you will most more than likely see me again. <laughs> at Rogue9A on Twitter asks uh, what is it like filming a series on Netflix compared to doing TV or film? You know, I think that at this point you can compare Netflix, although it's, it's its own thing, obviously. I mean, nobody's really releasing all 13 at the same time. Um, you know, it's a different viewing way of viewing. It's really giving the the uh, viewer their own options to do it however and whenever they want to, which makes a lot of sense to me, and especially in my life um, and with my travel schedule and whatever. But it's while we were shooting it, I have to say, it felt closer to film than the limited television experiences that I've had um, because it was it felt more like a continuous movie or we were or as if we were shooting 13 one hour movies or one 13 hour movie however you want to put it um whereas i think most television or the, the limited television television i've been part of <clears throat> tends to be it tends to wrap up much more each episode um so it's much more self-contained uh so it's it's, it's so comparable to me to shooting a film but the only big difference is that we didn't know from the you know the beginning, what the end was going to look like, we had some vague ideas because it was you know based on a novel, and to a certain extent, they they stayed true to the novel. But every week was still kind of a surprise when we got the scripts. And of course, when you shoot a film, you know exactly what you or what you're in for, what you're going to be shooting the whole time, and you develop your character accordingly. Um, and that I've always found a little bit you know with Nick Tuck, for example. I didn't know that Ava Moore was going to be a man. So going into the show, even Brian Murphy didn't know that he was going to make that decision down the line, so we all just played it like I was a woman. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until the very end that I found out, you know, that Brian had that idea. Um, and, and then I was like, okay, I hope that the rest makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way television often goes. Mm -hmm. And and speaking of Niptuck, from Transvestite, Ava Moore, to Evil Witch Muriel, and Hans and Gretel, which was awesome, by the way, um, you've had a wide character range. Are there any types of characters that you would still like to portray in the future? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, look at our planet, look at how many different people we have, different kinds of people, so... I'm sure at some point there'll be a character that comes my way. I hope so, that I'd be completely surprised by and go, oh, I can't wait to play that person. It would be hard to, to put it in words right now what that would be, specifically, character-wise. Um, but I hope that it will find me and surprise me and challenge me. Um, Olivia and Norman have such great chemistry on screen. I was wondering if you and Du Gray really get along that well, and if you could tell us what it was like the first time you guys met. Yes, well, Du Gray and I, were, it was actually the first time we really met, um, even though we were meant to meet before and work together before, but this was the first time it really, truly went, happened, and we did get along amazingly well. He's 
such a great guy, so smart, he's so funny, and we laughed. I, I, I mean, his imitations, if he can ever do them for you, um, <laughs> they're just like, I mean, everybody from Mick Jagger to you name it. I mean, he can do anybody, uh, and it's hilarious. That's funny. So, he kinda, you know, he kind of looks we, like Mick Jagger a little bit. <laughs> he was? He kind of looks like Mick Jagger a little bit in the face. <laughs> well, especially when he doesn't. So when he does his invitation, it's very funny. So we just, yeah, we had great time. Really, really, really great time. Do you feel that um, Olivia is disappointed in her offspring? Because she, she seems to be, obviously, she's got that controlling aspect going on. She's always fighting with them, always antagonistic. Uh, and and she's she lost the first baby. Do you feel like that she's she's disappointed in the, the two that preceded or proceeded after that? I think she's the kind of person who will always be disappointed, who will always be let down by something, who... You know, I think when you're that controlling, nothing is that controllable. Nobody in the world can control anybody like that, um, like the way she hopes to. So I think you're always going to set yourself up for major disappointment, and I think that's kind of, you know, her her story a bit. So her life will be led full of frustration until she just is able to let go a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, I, um, I know that you read the book before you started shooting the series. Were there any major differences between the novel and the adaptation that you were kind of bummed that you didn't maybe get to see or get to portray um, on screen? There are, I mean, there are differences throughout. Um, the very ending of the show is different than the ending of the um the book, for example, um, and there are, you know, it, it became its own thing, which is very good, I think, because novels, I think, you know, tend to be too big to, uh, I mean, for a 13-episode thing, not, but for generally for a movie, it's, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's a too much of a page count. Um, but I think for a large part, we stayed fairly true to, uh, to the book, which is... There, you know, eventually we strayed in in different areas, and um, you know, you get so many creative people together, it becomes its own thing, and that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've done a lot of filming in Canada from the X Men series to now Hemlock Groves. What's it like filming in Toronto for such a long period of time? Um, I, you know, it's I live in New York City, so it's not. That was one of the big um, pluses as far as I was concerned. It's not like some of the actors who had to fly all the way back to L.A. or or didn't fly home because it was so far away. Um, But Toronto is a really nice city, and uh, I like the people very much. I found some really great little restaurants and coffee shops and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I found my little neighborhood park for my dogs to play in. And, um, you know, and then whenever I wasn't working, I... I would leave to go back home, or actually, I was I was filming quite a bit and uh, promoting quite a bit because Bobby came out, Bring on Bobby came out, and Taken Two came out while we were shooting, and uh, I was filming something else. So I was fairly busy with flying back and forth. But it's it's a great place, and I've spent a lot of time in in Canada, in various parts of Canada, and I really like the people. I have a question the from the booth. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve. Um, 
you've had such a long and successful career. How do you stay so ridiculously beautiful throughout that whole thing? <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just feel so tired and haggard from all this traveling, but I don't know. Um, you know, you just have to recharge, I guess, in between. And love what you do. I love what I do. I love, love, love what I do. I think it's a really big component in for people young or vibrant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, we're going to wrap it up with the next couple of questions, Famka. Uh, but uh, what other projects are you working on right now immediately? Or do you have like coming up in the near future that you want to tease at us? Uh, well, I just finished A Fighting Man um, a couple of days ago. And it's, uh, it's a movie about two boxers. Um, and that's one with Dominic Purcell and um, Luke Gossett Jr. And... Uh, uh, really quite an amazing cast and um, story and great director and very gritty and dark and uh, really interesting, interesting character I got to play. Um, and uh, I hear that if you watch the trailer for Wolverine, you may see me. <laughs> so there could be that. There could be that coming up. Um, and... Um, in the meanwhile, I'm just developing my other own projects and, you know, staying busy that way, mostly traveling way too much for promotional purposes and all that kind of stuff and, you know, filming and whatnot. What social media platform do you prefer to use right now or are you most active on? I, I don't use any. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing's good. None. <laughs> and, and whatever is out there that is pretending to be me is... That's fake. That's not. That's not me. Um, but I've heard that I'm allegedly on Twitter or any of those Facebook and stuff like that. But I know I don't. I don't actually participate in any of it. Okay. I'm a very, very private person. So it's one of those things that I look at now, and then I think everybody's going to regret it one day because there's all this <laughs> stuff on them. <laughs> and you know, when you're as private as I am, that's, that's not something that you wanna you wanna do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if our if our fans do want to follow you, where's the best place for them to look? Uh, do, do on the a... streets of Manhattan. <laughs> 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 I, there's nothing to follow. I'm not followable. <laughs> you don't have a perhaps like a website like famkajohnson.com? Uh, no. no? Nothing. Oh. Oh, nothing. Very well. We'll just we'll, we'll always keep. Yeah, you're, I know. You're it's a, you're, is, I'm sure it's really not smart. I would be a lot more famous if I participated <laughs> oh, in partook in all of those types of things. And I, you know, a Twitter following and and my own website and all that. I have nothing. I just um, <clears throat> I'm my own thing. Oh, Fomka, don't you are you are very famous and very popular. Believe me, I've I have loved you ever since you were the Bond girl uh, on the top. Since you were Jean Grey, I've, you know yeah. I've been watching you in films, and I, and I love you, and I, I always uh-huh. I always keep my ear out for you. Yeah, and and I just gotta say I've been a huge fan for years, and you're one of the reasons why I started watching Hemlock Groves. So. You've had an amazing career. You're a beautiful, talented woman. And just keep up the great work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, very thank you. sweet. It was really nice to talk to you all. Yes, thank you yeah. so much for calling yeah. in. Thanks for taking the time. Okay, have a good evening. Okay, you, you too. too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
All right, well, that was pleasant. That was pleasant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, how Love often her. do we get to talk with Fomka Johnson? Wow, that is, yeah. so, <laughs> that, that is so, that was fascinating. Yeah. Marissa's Ooh, like amazing. shaking right now. <laughs> I'm just like no stupefied. No words. Let's all have like a two second fan <laughs> girl out moment. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Oh my god. 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 All right, we're back. Yes. Him and we're back. Okay. <laughs> Stephen, do we have uh, DeGray Scott on the phone? Did we have him on the line? Um, when he calls again. When he calls again. Okay, very yes. well. Well, I hope he calls again. I hope he's watching us live on AfterBuzzTV.com right now. Uh, speaking of our podcast and looking at us live, of course, if you guys want to download our podcast, you can go to the iTunes store. And in the search bar, just type in Hemlock Grove. You can type in Hemlock Grove After Buzz TV, whatever. Just type in Hemlock Grove. That's the best place to go. And guess what? We're the first podcast that comes up. And rate and comment us. We already got five stars, but you know what? Give us some more five-star ratings. <laughs> and yeah. tell a friend, you know, comment, give us a review because it only takes a minute. And we have quite a few reviews mm-hmm. that I want to actually read out from fans. Um, let's see. We had Sweet Cynthia. She... She left a uh, comment or review on our iTunes account, and she said, in regards to Freya Tingley being on last week, she said, Freya sounds like a really nice and smart girl. I wanted to say that I definitely think that Olivia had been snacking on the remains of Lisa's body (laughs) while she was in the mill by herself, which explains why the vomit was so chunky and why she licked her lips Mm. with such relish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, That's a good um, point. yeah, she brings up a really good mm-hmm. point. I also think that the crucible leads directly. Here's another good point: mm-hmm. leads directly to the forest, and that explains that rabbit hole opening that you were all talking about. It also explains why the two halves of Lisa's body were in the forest and the mill, and why there was no blood on the upper half in the forest. Uh, so, so the crucible like a portal somehow? I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking the steel mill and the forest must be connected somehow. That as what a uh, sweet Cynthia is referring to. Oh, thank you for your comment, by the way, sweet yeah. Cynthia. Yeah, that really? makes sense. There's a mill that goes into the creek there. It's it's all. The forest you know, is everyone's connected. backyard yeah. in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it connects everything. <laughs> it connects everything. <laughs> Pretty much. We also had a review from Surf Dog Two Hundred. Who said, great show, keep up the awesome job. Sweet. Uh, Try. Lastly, (laughs) on iTunes, we have someone, that uh, Luke, who said, amazing show. Give us five stars. The hosts, Sean O, Marissa, Tiana, and JJ, do a great job breaking down and having in-depth conversations on various aspects of the show. They spot out things that you might not initially notice within the show. Laugh out loud, Christina's condoms. <laughs> he actually got into watching the show because of listening to us, he says here. If you're a fan of Hemlock Grove, definitely check this out. They also do well in bringing in cast members of the actual show. All right. Yeah. And, more nice of them. And, and more to come. And more to come. More to come every week. Hopefully we can get DeGray Scott on tonight. And uh, next week, who are we going to have, Marissa? We're going to have... We're going to have Lori Fortier, who plays Marie Godfrey in studio. All right. That's going to be yes. awesome. Another little treat. And thank you, Marissa, for getting all these yeah. people yeah. in. Yes. <laughs> Marissa's been hustling mm-hmm. for us. Oh, yeah. I'm, already, I'm getting it. I'm getting it done. She hasn't been sleeping. She's been suspended. I'm all over this. Yeah. Love it. Lastly, on our YouTube channel, we got a couple of comments. Chris Wallace says, 
wow, if I was that kid, oh, he's referring to uh, Tyler on the date with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Christina. If I was that kid, I would have GTFO <laughs> <laughs> gotten the F out <laughs> once she started looking at me like that. <laughs> deal breaker. Total deal breaker. Hey, well, maybe I'd she... be scared, too. Olivia's kind of... Um, she's Christ- very scary. Christina? Christina. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have um, actually... Well, from a guy's perspective... Very intimidating. I would have probably thought, like, wow, she's looking at me like, maybe she wants to make out with me really bad. <laughs> she's uh, looking at me like she wants me. Yes. <laughs> you got a call coming in? She wants you. Uh, oh, we have a phone call coming Call, you're on the line with Hemlock Grove. Hello. TV. <laughs> Hello, you're on the line with Hemlock Grove. Yes, I'm trying to reach, uh, get some information uh, regarding tonight's voice. Oh, uh, you're actually calling the wrong show right now. We're Sorry doing about hem- that, guys. Hemlock Grove. No. Sorry about that, caller. Uh, additionally, Abel Knight R D zero two said, "I am. Ha- I'm so happy that you are reviewing the show. I watched the show and loved it. Sweet." Yes. Awesome we love it, everybody. Thank and, you. And to all of you fans out there, thank you so much for the comments and joining the conversation. And do so every week. You know, we have our iTunes account. Like I said, we got each of us have Twitter accounts. We have the YouTube channel. If you guys want to tweet at us on our Twitter accounts, that's the best way mm-hmm. to reach me. Um, I am at Sean Austin O. Marissa. I'm at Serafini TV. I'm at Tweet T22, and I'm at JJ Jergens. So we left off talking about <laughs> uh, Olivia. And let's move on to Chasseur gaining mm-hmm. intel. So that was actually a really fascinating way for her to get intel from uh, from Roman. You know, she she totally smart, very smart. Mm-hmm. She totally cornered him. Um, and right after he's he's so impaired, right? He's got he's drinking, obviously his favorite whiskey or brandy, whatever he's got in his dark glass. liquor, mm-hmm. some dark <laughs> liquor, right? And he's he was like pulling those chains. He was like really angry too, right? A part of me half thought he was going to break those. Did you guys? I thought that's what he was trying to see how strong he was and see if he, he could like have the power to do it. Yeah, I thought he maybe was taking his mother's words literally yeah. when she said, you're a lot stronger <laughs> than I ever imagined. And he was like, oh, she thinks I'm strong. Let me <laughs> break these chains. But he's wow. not that strong. Oh, that's a really good point, Tiana. Yeah, yeah. I totally didn't even think about like that. She just told him that. Oh, so. wow. Well, maybe it, maybe he is taking it literally because he is a teenager after all, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he he does he he does his whiskey. He's drunk. He does coke in his bathroom, and then he goes. He does the trifecta. He cuts himself <laughs> on the face, right? An and, and, by the eye. and then and yeah. I told him, yeah, by the eye, by the which eye. is the cut that I thought you know. Um, one of our earlier podcasts, I mentioned that she. He cuts himself on the eye. That this was the cut I was referring to, so I kind of skipped ahead of there. Sorry. Yeah, and I totally forgot about this part. After the cut, he had the blood drips down, mm-hmm. and he—I he, thought he was going to lick it. No, no, he doesn't lick it. He puts it all yeah. over his lips. What is? Does he have blood lipstick now? Uh, yeah. In the in the book, um, when he's doing this, they mentioned that he's trying to mimic his mother. Oh, oh, so that's what just uh, like what Olivia does with her lipstick. Oh wow! So that's what's going through his mind. What did yeah. What did you guys think of that scene overall? Well, what did he and what did he say right after? I wrote it down. And Shut up and kiss me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like, who are you talking <laughs> to right now? Hmm. He's talking to yourself. Talking to Ooh, himself. You're, you look sexy in that mirror. <laughs> Shut up and kiss kinda, me. Kind of makes sense though if he's being his mom because she's so like powerful like that mm-hmm. and exudes her like sexuality. So. 
he was tapping into that a little bit. And he's a little vain, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. You know, he's a little vain, but at the same time, of course, later in the episode, he says that he's ugly. Yeah. Does he really think that he's ugly? What do you guys think? I think that it's a his mother has kind of damaged him maybe a little bit mentally and has him thinking, you know, that he's not worthy of a lot of things because of the way she always is talking down to him and Shelly both, that it kind of just is a mind thing where he, he does believe that maybe he's not pretty. I think it's kind of weird because he's just, his peers, like in school, they all just love him so much. Mm-hmm. Like he's so amazing and he's so beautiful. And then to his family, he's like, or to his mom especially, he can never be good enough. So I feel like when he was with the girl and he's like, call me ugly, call me ugly. It's like he's trying to balance the two out because he doesn't know how to understand it. I also thought, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I, I was going to agree with what you guys just said, but also in the book it kind of, um, the way he's thinking is like he, he's kind of acting it out to make uh, Valentine, uh, Ashley Valentine feel a little sorry for him too. So I'm kind of torn where he does think he is ugly and he has a lot of uh, self-deprecation and whatnot. But then I think it is also an act for people to just give him attention. So, I kind of wondered, too, if it wasn't, like, ugly as in more the inside, like, ugly person. Like, not, you know, that lovable, can be rude to people, can be angry, can mm-hmm. just have these demons inside of him. Yeah, it could be a variety of yeah. those things. It could be yeah. he's ugly physically, which I, I don't think he very much is. Um, he's, he's, he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> he's a good-looking I'm a fan of that family. Yeah. <laughs> at, at first, I think at the, the first episode we did, I was like, oh, he looks creepy because of his eyes. But now I, I think it's a little bit more, it fits him, it's more endearing. I like him a lot better. Um, but, yeah, w- regarding what you said, Marissa, I feel like he is, like, it was an act, but I feel like it was an act to let her lower her guard, maybe. Like later on, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so back to Chasseur. <laughs> we haven't talked about her yet. <laughs> so, is uh, downstairs? So she rings the doorbell. Obviously, she gets let in the house. Is this the first time we've seen a butler in the house? Did you guys notice that? Yeah, yeah, because we've seen a, a lady lady there who's kind of like a caretaker, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen a man butler. Yeah, this was the first time we see yeah. a butler, so obviously Chasseur got escorted in by the butler. Roman comes down. Uh, she starts questioning him, and uh, we have Shelly come in, too. And he, he starts spouting off the Vargolf stuff in front of Chasseur to Shelly, and I, I think he's doing it for show. What do you guys think about that? I think that was just yeah. honestly Flip. a slip. Because him and Roman, uh, Peter, sorry, Peter and Roman have always been talking about this Vargolf, and so it's common knowledge to him about a Vargolf, and he doesn't know Chasseur, and I think it was literally just a slip that, mm-hmm. oh, he actually does know more than what he's trying to let on. Yeah, my question was, I'm not sure how much jurisdiction her badge really requires, but he's technically <laughs> a minor. So is she allowed to be questioning him like this? Or is it the way that she presented it as like, oh, we're just having a conversation that she was able to get away with this? Because if I walked in like Olivia does and saw, you know, someone in the law enforcement questioning my minor child, I'd be a little suspicious and maybe a little angry, ah, too. Good point. Now, from the law <laughs> enforcement perspective, um, I wanted to say that this is not a detention and she, she's in his house, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though she is showing some force, that's kind of borderline right there, where she's showing the badge, mm-hmm. and it could be like, 
oh, you have to talk to me, otherwise mm -hmm. something's going to happen to you, that could be colored a number of different ways. Like, if we have a defense attorney, you know, on the yeah. Roman right. side, they could color it that way. Like, oh, she, she was forceful and mm -hmm. she influenced him in that manner because she showed her badge. But I liked how she started the whole interrogation. It was actually really smart on her part. She said, I want you to think about what kind of person you want to be. And not the person he's becoming, but you want to be. And take that in cons consideration that you are actually helping, saving people's lives in the future if you're going to mm -hmm. be straight and honest with me now. Yeah, that was a good mm -hmm. way for her to influence mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's got so many things against him other than her being her. A, a law enforcement yeah. officer. <laughs> he's he's, he's, he's a, to a lot. He is a minor. And uh, he, he's actually drunk. He's alone, yeah. he's high, and he's angry. So he's got five things going for him right now that's just, like, all against him. And he gets persuaded so easily by her. She ends up, well, she asks a question. He lies, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then she just asks the question again a little bit more forcefully, and then he totally collapses <laughs> like a cheap tent. <laughs> he really did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I was like, man, he's just yeah. giving up all the goodies, like, so easily. He's not even making her really work that hard for it, just... Oh, mm -hmm. no, no, I'm going to lie. Okay, now I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, um, and did we have anything else to add on that topic, Shasir? She found out a lot of intel. She didn't mm -hmm. know about the Vargulfs before. Oh, uh, another little thing. When Shasir meets Olivia, yeah. she knows she's wearing 11-size shoes. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the episode, we, we see footprints her. in dirt. And she's like, aren't you a pretty kid? Mm -hmm. And one other thing I noticed, which could just be my imagination, but Roman's glass left a water ring on the table, and there was two of them kind of overlapping, and it almost looked like the infinity sign. Um, I watch a lot of Revenge also, so that's where, <laughs> that's where my mind immediately went. But then, at one point, the water droplets were kind of, like, moving towards each other, and it kind of looked like the snake going to mm -hmm. eat itself, and he pushed puts his glass down very quickly and Chaucer sees that and then later on Olivia says come on Roman like there's no shortage of coasters in this house so I don't know if the water was moving intently or if I was the only one who noticed that but hmm. maybe I'm just being extra paranoid about every little <laughs> thing I see now thinking that it's going to lead to something else. I mean, you know it's interesting where you talk about the watermark rings um, I kind of looked that up and the only reference to rings I can get um, it was Shakespeare, the two gentlemen and of Verona, and that the two rings mean deception and broken promises. Oh. So that's the only mm. thing I could make out of that. Okay. Perhaps. Perhaps. Similar that there was also two rings in that he was trying to pull apart. Yeah. And yeah, the two, the two links of that giant, that too. That giant yeah. ship chain. Mm, very fascinating. Mm. I always, I was actually just talking about <laughs> this the other day, like, like how the symbolism and metaphors that we can find in on the show and, and, and so many other mm -hmm. shows and mediums, uh, uh, novels, whatever. And I wonder if that was Brian McGreevy's intention. Like, do you think that he wrote that in, or you know, or to, if it just happened, or if it just yeah. happened on accident? You know, it's it's nice. I, I can just imagine what his perspective is. Like, oh, I didn't do that. They're seeing something. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Roman ends up violating Ugh. Ashley. So pretty much he rapes her. Yes, which can was we, awful. Can we say what us all of us girls said at the, 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 the top of this scene though? Is Please that, do. <laughs> okay, so 
we're all like, what kind of high school girl is living with her parents? Her parents are in the house, and it's okay for her to come down and answer the door in the middle of a rainstorm at night with no pants on. <laughs> she wouldn't just I, grab her pajama pants, whatever. Just, just no pants. These high school students in general, because even Roman being at home drinking, yeah. um, Peter got home and you know opens up the beer every time he walks into the trailer. It's just, I didn't have that kind of high school experience. I, I mean, man, I wish my parents had been that cool. <laughs> but it's just, you know, they're so adult that sometimes mm-hmm. I forget they're still in high school mm-hmm. when stuff like that happens. Another thing, in the book, um, they mentioned that Ashley Valentine's parents were away and that mm-hmm. they should be back in a few hours. So she was technically by herself. But answering the door in, <laughs> in your, your pajamas, <laughs> no. And he didn't even, I mean, he's just standing out there like a creeper, first of all. He's just standing outside your house in the middle of the rain, just letting the rain pour all over him. That is a creeper. You don't open the door for creepers. He was only missing the (laughs) boombox. Exactly. Yeah. And Peter Gabriel. That's romantic. He went creeper out. That would have been romantic. Then, yeah, don't keep the pants off. (laughs) Modern day, he would have had an iPod with something, (laughs) some some handheld speakers. But the reason why Roman went to Ashley was because he yes. saw Peter and Letha making mm-hmm. out. That's right. Now he <laughs> they, well, getting started. Yeah. Make out too. Getting started to make out. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just—it's so fascinating how this show is because it takes us from being creepy, right? He shows up into the house. He's a creeper to being kind of sweet. You know, he's like mm-hmm. being soft. He, and and mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, like now we probably know that he was just putting on a show for her to lower her guard, and uh, and then it it ends up turning violent. It turns discomforting. Is like I'm for lack of a better word, discomforting because yeah. he seriously yeah. raped her. He, he mm-hmm. tied her up. At first, she was digging it. I must say that uh, Emily Pickford. She she has a really nice body. She's she's very cute, very cute. But aside, all put all that stuff aside. It was a really hard scene to watch, yeah, and I would imagine for us as the audience, like at first I was feeling like, oh, this is romantic. It's it's really sexual. It's cool. It's arousing. And then, oh my god, he's raping her. This is weird. Oh, what am I supposed yeah. to feel now? I'm supposed to feel this is bad. This is really bad. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> So yeah. I just, it, it was just such a roller coaster of emotion, and that's the way Brian McGreevy, he's been, he's obviously written this, the book this way, he's written the teleplay this, mm-hmm. this way too, and it's just so mm-hmm. fascinating the way that Hemlock Grove does this. There's no other show that I can point out right now that does this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, which is really cool. And twice now, that before this, I kind of liked Roman, you know, and it's like, but now we see what he did to Peter last time by, you know, leaving him in the last episode that was last week yes. so, yeah. yeah and then now th- this you know it's like oh now it's we're completely seeing other dark dark sides to him and i don't know what happened where he kind of right before he started raping her you know he kind of just zoned out and like dr- every mm-hmm. like sense and everything in his face just kind of dropped and mm-hmm. there was just nothing behind those eyes for that minute so i'm wondering what is going on because you can tell he's struggling to fight some sort Mm -hmm. of inner demon or something inside of him that wants to come out and it keeps showing its ugly face in times but he's still fighting it off but what happens when that takes over so you bring a really good point up tiana and that's why i want to feel like okay he's he's bad for doing this but then did he do it 
himself? Was he in the right mindset? Did something take over and take control of him? Because everybody's got something. Like, we all love... Like, there's some characters that we love, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Shelly. She's probably the one who's least tarnished and least sullied by anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she still has her dark side, too. Like, mm-hmm. when she was alone, she's listening to the rock music. Yeah, because rock is bad. <laughs> um, no, but I'm, just, I'm just saying she's listening to the rock music, and she bangs on the house floor with her feet and tears mm-hmm. that book in half. So she's got a bad side, too. Roman's bad side is just much more apparent. But then we feel for him, too, because he's, he's a good brother, mm-hmm. right? He's, he was a good friend up until this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see, because he did threaten to kill Peter if he slept with his cousin. Exactly. So He did. And that was a really important conversation. I don't think we have enough time to talk about everything because yeah, we've got to probably wrap things up. But it was just, that was a really good conversation, too, where he was, he was so forceful with mm-hmm. it. He was just like, if you F my cousin, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you. Right? And then, yeah, mm-hmm. and then he yeah. sees it about to happen. And I thought it was kind of, I don't know if this was weird or not, but I thought um, Letha and Peter's conversation, um, she kept referencing how good he smelled. Yeah, yeah. And like a puppy. Like a puppy, and just like all of a sudden, she just kept saying that, so something in my mind was like, what's the significance of his smell? Him being a wolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, can people God. smell that on you? Or can, can only people with like a weird demon, possibly baby inside them, know this? Well, you know what? Well, when she, you, women, when they get pregnant, they're, say. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, how about you say it, JJ? You say it, no. <laughs> I heard, okay, I heard, because obviously I'm not a pregnant woman, but I heard that pregnant women get their senses heightened, especially with yeah. smell, so they can smell stuff a lot more, and maybe that's how she's able to s- catch his scent. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Francis dies. All right, so mm-hmm. it was a very quick scene, right? Mm-hmm. Norman gets a call at his bedside. Uh, his his wife, Marie, actually thinks that it may be Olivia. Thankfully, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and we see that Francis has a hypodermic needle shoved into his head, and he's dead. Did he kill mm-hmm. himself, or did someone kill him? That's what I was going to ask you. I don't think he killed himself. Really? I was going to say he did. He kills himself. He did. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm, for the whole past week, up until I watched the episode a second time, I was thinking, oh, yeah, he killed himself. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. You know, I want to say, like, no, maybe there's some kind of conspiracy behind this and what's going on, right? That's what yeah, I wanted to believe. But, I mean, I guess after the conversation he had with um, Norman about possibly being released, maybe he was like, this is the only way for me to not have to go and to stop seeing what he's saying because he's mm-hmm. constantly saying I don't want to see this anymore and so he took care of that but I really wanted him to not have killed himself and right. there'd be yeah. more of a conspiracy in there it's unfortunate he dies because Francis was the one who gave us so much information uh, about yeah. Ouroboros and now he's dead and we don't get anything else yet well let's do our news and gossip then After Buzz TV News Got some interesting little tidbits of news and gossip. So, uh, Candace McClure, who ends up, who obviously is playing uh, Chasseur, she had an interesting tweet where she reveals something very odd about herself. She tweets at Xavier Leeds, "One man's treasure." Dot dot dot. Balloons make me nervous, especially when kids bounce on them. I especially, I usually leave the room. She gets nervous about balloons. <laughs> <laughs> it must be the popping sound. The I hate pop- that. I hate that too, right? It sounds like a gunshot sometimes. If you're not paying attention, all of a sudden it's pop. Yeah, it just surprises you, right? And Mm -hmm. you know what I don't like? It's when people like rub it with their fingers and it's like, it's kind of (laughs) like nails on the chalkboard in a way, right? I don't blame her. (laughs) Big time celebrity who likes watching Hemlock Grove. 
is uh, Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. At Paris Hilton, you guys saw that? Yeah. I thought that yes. too. <laughs> Freya Tingley retweeted Paris Hilton uh, said this on her tweet, at home in bed watching at Hemlock Grove with at River V Perry and my puppies love this show. Amazing storyline. So entertaining at Eli Roth rules. And even Eli Roth got mixed into this conversation too. He said uh, at Paris Hilton, love you. I love watching with my puppy too. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? It's awesome. We could have a puppy party, a puppy and, viewing party. And uh, lastly, Penelope Mitchell, who plays Letha, she tweeted uh, from her account at PFH Mitchell, uh, nothing else, no, sorry, nothing like a package from home to cure the Monday monkey. Uh, dot dot magnetic hashtag Kirk salt and pepper shaker for my new house. Yes. And she, in the, in, I'm a Trekkie, so she must be a Trekkie too. If she put something like this up, oh, you guys, wow. that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating. fascinating. I don't know if you guys can see that on screen, but that is a really funny photo. She has a salt and pepper shaker of, <laughs> of Kirk, and then she's got a picture of Spock right there, right too. there too. And that, that from the original series, by the way. And yeah, I actually, I've just been watching the original series. I'm up to episode seven right now on Netflix. <laughs> I am such a Trekkie nerd, and we got Star Trek coming out this week on Friday. So I, you know. That's that's me right there. <laughs> it's got me written all over it. Any other news and gossip from you ladies? Um, nope. Let's move on to our predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Yes, I love it. The echo. Echo, 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 echo. I feel... Um, Olivia's going to be getting her drugs next episode. Mm-hmm, She's yeah. going to be doing those eye drops hard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, her seizures are going to be subsiding. She's not going to have any more of that. Um, I also feel like we're going to see her eat more meat now because, you know, they're, they're, they're show- they showed mm-hmm. what she's mm-hmm. done for the past two episodes. It's, it's been, like, less obvious, you know, to, last episode, but this episode, episode seven, we really got to see what she had a hankering for, raw meat. Um, what about you, Marissa? Um, well, oh, of course, I'm not making any predictions, but a couple things that I don't want to really leave out. The painting of Ouroboros in Shelley's room. Oh, yeah. yeah. With the white um, with the light white, above it. White light. In the book, it's called White Bar that like rec- recedes into um, this darkness and the Ouroboros logo. So that that's something that we'll get to find out yeah. earlier and later on and um another thing is destiny when she said uh when she saw roman's hand and roman is capable of a lot more mm-hmm. so there's just some things mm-hmm. to look forward to mm-hmm. anything from you ladies across the table I just think, I mean, I still think my one from last week about Christina is going to be true. <laughs> um, just waiting for her to turn into a little wolf. But, um, and then I, I, I think I see a big blowout with Peter and Roman. Yeah, I yeah. also think that now that Letha and Peter have kind of... Consummated? Done, yeah, consummated. <laughs> I think that maybe Norman's going to start thinking that Peter might be her baby daddy because he's still not completely convinced. Last I checked that, you know, an angel knocked her up. So, I'm kind of feeling the whole blowout between Norman hating Peter now. I have an mm. equally compelling story. Maybe she's going to say, it wasn't an angel, it was a wet puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I predict lots of excited tweets from Marissa about speaking with Famke. <laughs> Thank you, yes. I feel like uh, Norman, because he's clearly frustrated, uh, he's going to threaten to leave his wife. 
because I think he's yeah. getting frustrated mm-hmm. by her with all the little, oh, the canary, yeah. get the canary-colored paint, please. Yeah. yeah. And we saw in tonight's episode that he's deeply considering it. Um, yeah. He's yeah. looking at pictures of Marie and Letha, so I think he wants to leave. Yeah. Uh, lastly, I think Letha's baby is going to be a freak experiment once it comes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that about does it for us here. Mm-hmm. We're getting the uh, move along music. Uh, but I wanted to say uh, to you uh, fans at home, thank you guys so much for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV's podcast of Hemlock Grove. And, of course, tune in next week because we're going to have Lori Fortier on, who plays Marie Godfrey. And if you guys want to follow us, you can follow me at Sean Austin O. Uh, you can tweet your predictions at me at Serafini TV. Um, I'm at TweetT22. And I'm at JJ Jerkins. Thanks so much, guys. We'll buzz with you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.